Back when I was four and I knew the name of every dinosaur, I learned how to read rom-comic books. My babysitter said I was really smart. When the lights went out, everything changed. The radio music made me feel strange, and I had a real bad dream about a gorilla in the bathroom. And back when I was six, well, I took everything real serious, and I thought that every song that came on the radio was referring to strange acts because they thought I wouldn't know the fact and, well, being small is hard and no one ever tells you how. And back when I was eight, I would sit outside on an old milk crate and look at the world from the stoop across the street, the boom boxes and the hot concrete, and every Halloween they hung a million rubber skeletons across Ninth Street. And back when I was 12 or so, I swear to God, I never felt so low. Everyone but me was making out and eating cookies. I had more than my brain could stand. I threw my life in a garbage can. I felt so weird I had to disappear, crying suicide disease. And at 15, making music felt good, and it sent me back to my childhood. And nothing ever mattered to me more than that. But then 16 became a clicks, my lane became apocalypse. I was lost and found, and I've never been the same. And back when I was 22, I left the best thing that I knew, and I gave it up for fortune and for fame. I played like I didn't know how, I shocked the world, I wowed the crowd, but I deserved more than what they gave. And back when I was 27, still nothing had been forgiven. Clay turns into rock and rock just sits. So sitting on a crowded beach, I'd pretend that I was a leech and I'd stick to things here and there for a little bit. And back when I was 31, I knew I'd become what I'd become. Nothing left to reveal and there's nowhere else to turn. So shocked and withered, dumb and bitter, in desperate need of a babysitter, I set my hand to fall off and burn, burn, burn. Back when I turned the big 4-0, I just realized how much more I had to go, and I started to think that being alone forever wasn't exactly where it was at. So I stuck my head out of the window, and I taught myself how to love real fast, and I started talking about painting with a woman in the laundromat. And back when I was 50 and my first wife had just left me, I felt okay and I sang my daughter funny little songs. And just when I thought the best was past, I fell in love for real at last. And it didn't even matter that it had taken me so long. And back when I was 63, the public rediscovered me. My comic books and albums had all become rare cult collector items. And both my parents were deceased, so they didn't get to see my records be re-released. And I had a dog for the first time in my life. And back when I was 74, my dog died, but I got two more. And I felt, felt really good about my daughter and also about my girlfriend. And I would sing and draw just a little bit, but mostly I'd wake up early and sit and hang out with the puppies and wish I could live forever. And back when I was 87 and my grandson had just turned 11, my woman was dead and my dogs were getting pretty old. My body didn't work quite like it should, but overall things were pretty good. I was still getting decent royalties from the reissued comic books and records. And back when I was 106, my only friend was one goldfish. Everyone I ever knew was dead and gone. Not a line you should laugh at, by the way. And the goldfish never had a name. And the neighbors thought I was insane. 
And I flushed it down the toilet when I saw it floating upside down. And back when I was 128, I'd sit outside on an old milk crate and look at the world from the stoop across the street. The boom boxes and the hot concrete, and every Halloween they hung a million rubber skeletons across Ninth Street. Every Halloween they hung a million rubber skeletons. Every Halloween they hung a million rubber skeletons. Every Halloween they hung a million rubber skeletons. Now invite the children to come up and listen to this story for all ages. called Trees for Kenya, and it's going to be a story that talks about a seventh UU principle. Um, all right. When Wangari Mathai was a little girl growing up in central Kenya in Africa, the land was green, the streams full, and the trees grew thick and lush. To help her family with meals, Wangari collected firewood from the trees around her village. On her first day gathering, her mother told her, don't collect any firewood from a fig tree. When Gari asked, why not? Her mother answered, that is a tree of God. We don't cut it, we don't burn it, we don't use it at all. And so, when Gari was careful, along with the rest of the village, to let the fig trees live a good long time. She didn't know it then, but the roots of the strong tree helped water come to the surface from deep below the earth. Until they fell to the ground naturally of old age, the fig trees helped the Kenyan soil stay rich and alive. Wangari was a smart girl and worked hard in school. When she grew up, she went to America to study biology in college. But when Wangari returned six years later, Kenya had changed. Many of the trees had been cut to make way for new buildings and large coffee and tea plantations. In some places, the land was bare and the streams had dried up. Even the fig trees had been cut, and no one had thought to put in new trees. Kenya was becoming a desert. That was hard for the birds, insects, and many other animals. It was also hard for the people. Soon Wangari was hearing from the women of Kenya that many people did not have enough to eat. Clean water was also hard to find, and so was firewood for cooking. Wangari listened to the women of, who spoke to her, and she began to get an idea. Wangari's idea to help everything was to plant trees. She planted small seedlings in her own backyard right in the city. When she saw the trees grow strong and green, she taught the women in her village to plant trees and give them seedlings to plant. When other women saw the village turn green again, they wanted to plant trees too. Soon, Wingari started a nursery and gave tree seedlings to women all over Kenya. She paid them money for each tree they planted and kept alive, which helped them to buy food. 
Some people laughed and said that women could not plant trees. But more and more women planted trees and dried brown land in Kenya turned soft and green again. But the cutting of trees continued. Wangari tried to protect the trees until the tree cutters should stop. She did not believe so much building was needed. But powerful people disagreed, and Wangari was arrested and went to jail for what she believed in. But others continued to plant trees and protect those that were still alive. Eventually, Wangari was released from jail. As more trees were planted, the desert was pushed away and the land came back to life. Streams flowed once more, the soil became rich and healthy again. More and more people helped plant trees. By 2004, when Wangari won the Nobel Peace Prize, more than 30 million trees had been planted. Kenya was green again. And that is the end of our story. Um, before you guys go to classes, we would like to invite middle schoolers to stay if they wish. Um, eighth graders are required to stay. Um, that's kind of important. And you guys can go to your classes. Change is everywhere. It comes in the wind, it dwells in the waves, makes its home in the ever onward march of time. It is present in the seasons that go around and around like a painted pony on a carousel. A few months ago, winter was preparing to give way to spring, and now the buds of spring make way for the rich green leaves of summer. Soon, the greenery of the season shall become the vibrant colors of fall. After that comes winter, and the cycle will begin all over again. As a wise man, Kendrick Lamar, once said, change is the most difficult thing for man to accept. Most of us flee from it, running like scared creatures from what truly is inevitable. We despise change, some of us, clinging on to that which is old, familiar, with a tight iron grip. We turn away from the new possibilities and the potential, afraid of what will come next. So many of us do it. So many of us stay with what is familiar, hanging on to what we have in fear of what we might lose. But we don't have to do that. We don't have to be afraid of the future. Not only do we not have to fear change, I believe that we should not fear change. It may be frightening for the seed when it becomes the sprout, and equally worrisome for the sprout when it turns into the stalk. But if it had never changed, if it had stayed where it was, we would not have the sweet vibrancy of the flower. And so it is. The unknown frightens us all, but if we do nothing throughout the course of our lives but blindly run away from it, 
we lose out. In my life, very little has remained constant. I've switched schools, lost people that I love, gone from being hurt to being loved to being back to hurt again. But through all these changes, one thing has remained constant. I am better because of them. The, one, the love that I received has changed me for the better. It showed me that people are capable of beautiful acts of compassion beyond anything I could have imagined without them. The wounds I have experienced in my life have shown me that people are not always to be trusted and they have taught me to be careful with whom I associate. Changes in physical location have allowed me to make new friends and to leave people behind that upon reflection I desperately needed to. This change has not always been easy for me, but through determination I got through the hardships that change can bring and came through to the other side a better man. And that is my wish for those of you in this room as well, that all of you experiencing change can get through the hardships it may bring and come out on the other side, able to look back upon all the things that have changed in your life and be glad that they did. Isabel, whoever doesn't know me, and this is my senior statement. Um, my palms were sweaty, and I could hardly stand when I went up to deliver my faith statement to the congregation. Although I had practiced it numerous times, I felt as if my voice would give out and I would be reduced to a mute pile of 13-year-old angst. When I got up to the podium, my voice did crack, but I regained my composure and completed my seat, speech semi-audibly, which with the occasional glance to the audience. At the end of my speech, the crowd burst into applause, and I realized that I was accepted and belonged in this community. Even though I have been regularly attending church since I was a baby, much of the time I didn't feel that I belonged in my classes or in the congregation. I resisted the idea of church because I thought that it was trying to turn me into something that I did not want to be. So for so many years, I fought my parents every Sunday about going to church. It wasn't until middle school that I realized that the church was not trying to turn me into something that I'm not. It was trying to help me become the person that I wanted to be. Coming of age program and OWL helped me learn about myself, solidified my morals, and enriched my drive to help create freedom, justice, and acceptance for everyone. At this time, I was an underconfident, awkward freshman who wanted to make a difference but didn't know how. The coming-of-age program gave me the tools and the confidence I needed to stand up for myself and others, get out of a bad friend group, and volunteer my time to make an impact on other people's lives. It gave me the power and the integrity by leading me through activities that explored who I was, what I stood for, and what I believed. Throughout the rest of my high school career, church has been a huge part of my development and has given me so many gifts. This congregation has supported me from helping me get to the UU General Assembly to allowing me to develop my leadership skills in my RE class. It is because of all of these gifts you have given me that I am the young woman I am today, confident and prepared for the next step in my life. This summer, I plan to get a certified nurse's assistant certification so I can contribute to my patients' lives as I save up for my master's degree. 
In the fall, I will be attending Wayne State University with a large scholarship to study occupational therapy. This field appeals to me because it focuses on helping patients gain or regain their independence. While at Wayne State, I also plan to attend the First Unitarian Church of Detroit, which is across the street from the campus so I can continue to enrich my faith. People's Church has impacted my career goals and every area of my life, and I believe that I would not be who I am today if I had not had this community supporting me every step of the way. I know that I will hit many bumps in the road, and there will be many times that I feel like giving up, but I am certain that I will always have a home here. Good morning. You guys really are seeing a lot of me today. I first came to People's Church when I was not quite nine. My father had just passed away. I was scared. I was hurting. I was at first apprehensive about coming to People's Church. Unfamiliar places have always been a little bit frightening for me. Upon the invitation of my best friend, I made my first journey here, and I am forever glad that I did because I was welcomed with open arms. No matter what has occurred in my life, no matter what successes or hardships, joys or sorrows I have experienced, this place has always been here for me. And I want to thank each and every one of you in this room right now for making this place so welcoming to me and welcoming to many others. You have helped me to grow into the person that I am today. And I know that this place is always going to be here for me. So thank you for that. At this church, I have made so many new friends, had so many fantastic experiences. Church sleepovers, owl sessions going long into the afternoon, discussing things that I probably should not mention up here. <laughs> My eyes have been opened to new systems of belief to new ways of looking at the world. This place is an immeasurable gift. And I really do sincerely hope that each and every one of you knows how integral you are in my life and in making this place the place that it is. Whew. This fall, I'll be attending Kalamazoo Valley Community College I hope to continue my studies of both Spanish and Chinese, and eventually I want to become a Spanish to Chinese interpreter. Again, thank all of you so much, especially my teachers and my youth group leaders like Mackenzie. You're really the best. So we are now going to have the offering. Yeah. Oh, thank you. We will now take the offering, and during the offering, Isabel Mesroche and Gavin Rutherford will be playing The Waltz of Chihiro.
And now, if you would join me in giving thanks for all that sustains us. From the countless gifts we each have been given, gifts of life and love and sustenance, we bring these small portions to share in the works of love, which none of us can accomplish alone. Good morning, I'm Mackenzie Hatfield. I'm one of the youth advisors for the YRUU group. Um, and I am not tall, so. <laughs> um, we're gonna start by bridging the eighth graders up into the YRUU group. So if all the eighth graders can stand, um, and the seniors, I'm sorry, all the high schoolers, yeah, you guys know what you're doing. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just going to list you guys off by name, and then um, you know what to do. So we have Eleanor Neb-Jones. Welcome to the group. And Maya Kirkwood. I think those are the only two that are here, but I'll list off the rest as well. We have Pearl Steenstra, Eli Post, Lucas santos Pai. Jonah Beebe, E.B. Haynes, Hannah Cox, and Evie Henley. Great. All right, and now let's bridge our seniors. So Nick and Izzy. Um, during the years I've spent with them, um, I've had the privilege to get to know them and see them grow into mature and inspiring young people um, who I love very much. Um, so watch out, world, because you guys are super stellar and amazing. Um, please know that you will always have roots here and you'll always be welcome should you ever feel homesick or um, just want to come visit. Definitely always welcome. Um, we'll always be a place with open arms and hearts for you. So. Please come and visit a lot. Stay in touch, Facebook, whatever. <laughs> All right, congratulations, guys. Um, we'll start with Nick. You want to bridge over to the young adult group there? We, we have presents for the young adults. We have cards with some good wishes. Um, we have books with, books with a little wisdom and trees to represent um, strength and beauty and longevity. Congratulations. Isabel. Thank you. Yep. Isabel. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> you guys are I think Chase is here, but I 
don't see him. and the seniors to the front. For a blessing. So Nick and Izzy and Chase, Maya and Eleanor, on this threshold moment, as you bridge into our youth program or out of it, it is my privilege to offer you a blessing. We have tried to teach you that this world is both beautiful and heartbreaking, that every person is important, and that we are connected to each other in a vast interdependence. We have tried to show you that when we join together, we can transform ourselves and transform the world. We have tried to encourage you to ask the big questions and find your way to the answers. Create community with people who do not always think alike. There are a few things we know for sure. We know that love can overcome fear, and we know that none of us has an exclusive claim on truth. So, dear ones, we commission you to go out into the world and live these truths. The world needs you, and it needs all of us to live these truths. Here at People's Church, when we dedicate ourselves to our young children, we hope that their thoughts and words and deeds create more beauty, truth, and love in the world. And we hope that for you now, too, but it's in a new way than when we hoped it when you were babies or young children. Today, we hope that you continue to seek truth and create community. We hope that you move out of privilege and comfort to be of service to those who have neither. We hope that you bring gratitude and humility to all that you do. We hope that you remember how precious you are and how precious everyone is. And we hope that you bring the good news that we have tried to teach you and the good news that you have taught all of us to all of the communities you are part of, to your families, to your friends, to your schools, and to this community here. We hope that you continue to be a part of People's Church and that when our actions do not match the high ideals that we have taught you, that you let us know and show us a new way forward. And so as you make your way into the world, as youth and as adults, remember that you are not alone in your commitments. And as you bridge from the specific program of a specific church, know that you are held by our larger faith, by a larger love, by a larger hope. Wherever you are, should you need advocates and allies, I hope you can find them in the liberal church. 
And I say, I hope because I cannot promise this, but I can promise that as long as People's Church is here, we will give you support and counsel. We will show up for you in the ways that you need us to show up. Let us know what that is. And this is a promise that we make to all of our children, and it does not expire ever. So we commission you to go forth into this world and shine, bringing more beauty and love and hope to a world that needs all of that, that needs all that you have to offer it. So we are so proud of you. We love you, and we cannot wait to see what you do next. sing Bridge Over Troubled Water and we invite you to join us during the chorus if you feel they would like to do that. Yes. Okay.
The secret of change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new.